But look, I'll say like this though, right? It's a vulnerable time for a lot of these young dudes, you feel me? They don't be taking care of their chicken right, you feel me? So if it was me, or if I had an opportunity to let these little uh, young sahibs know something, I say take care of y'all money, African, cause that shit don't last forever. Now I done been on the other side of a retirement and it's good when you get over there and you can do what the fuck you want to. So I tell y'all right now while y'all in it, take care of y'all bread. So when y'all done, go ahead and take care of yourself. So while y'all at it right now, take care of y'all bodies. You know what I mean? Don't take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? Don't take care of y'all mentals. Cause look, we ain't lasting that long. Uh, you know, I had a couple players that I played with that, you know what I mean? They no longer here no more. They no longer. So, I mean, you feel me? Start taking care of y'all mentals, y'all bodies, and y'all chicken from when y'all, you know, ready to walk away. You walk away and you be able to do what you want to do. But I appreciate it. Thank y'all. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Read Optional, the Seattle Times football podcast. I'm Adam Jude. Check us out every day in the Seattle Times on your front porch or in the newsstands or around the clock at seattletimes.com. Lots of great content, lots of great coverage there uh, in the aftermath of the Seahawks. Lost to Green Bay on Sunday night in the chilly atmosphere of Lambeau Field. What an environment uh, and what a, uh, what a frenetic, fierce comeback attempt by the Seahawks. Down 21-3 at halftime. Comes up just short, of course. And we'll hear from Pete Carroll. We'll hear, hear from uh, Russell Wilson here shortly. Uh, in their post-game comments. And, of course, at the top there, that was Marshawn Lynch, beast mode, as only he can, uh, in what is likely his final farewell message um, to his younger teammates, really, and, and to everyone at large, I think, uh, found some inspiration and, and humor and strength, hopefully, in, in those comments. Um, uh, what a what a fitting uh, farewell, if, if indeed that's, that's what it was for Marshawn Lynch. Um, these last three weeks, uh, I don't think the Seahawks could really have asked him uh, for any more from him. For uh, a guy who hadn't played in 14 months, uh, was a uh, was out. He was retired, and and here he comes back uh, to the rescue. Scores four touchdowns in three games, including two there. Uh, you know, the one yard line against Green Bay. Um, sure, he he uh, could have piled up some some more yards and all that too. Uh, you know, early in the game when they were trying to force feed the ball, but just in terms of beyond what what he presented and he brought to the to the field, I, I thought just uh, in the locker room and sort of uh, you know in the community for the fans, just what he meant uh, as sort of a, again an inspiration and just as a distraction. Really, uh, you think about when the Seahawks brought him in right after Chris Carson's season-ending injury. Uh, CJ Prosize had gone down, of course. Um, uh, Rashad Penny had just gone down a couple weeks before that, so they were decimated, of course, in the in the running back room. And and here comes Marshawn to to kind of provide some levity, some strength, some inspiration, particularly for Travis Homer, the rookie, and really that whole locker room. Just to, like I said, a distraction and and uh, an inspiration, and and what else can you ask for? But uh, Bob and I talk, Bob Condota and I talk about uh, Marshawn and, and a whole lot more here. Uh, we're we're uh, in agreement that that was. Uh, Marshawn's last game, probably for the Seahawks and, and uh, most likely in his NFL career. And if indeed it was, what a career. And uh, so we get into that a little bit, get into uh, some of the breakdowns, some of the issues the Seahawks had, and particularly on defense, uh, falling behind 21-3 early. Uh, we'll talk about the season overall. Uh, to me, in my mind, uh, you know, Seahawks at the same time, somehow at the same time, both 
maximize and uh, achieved all that they could uh, this season with the talents they had on this roster and yet somehow walked away, you know, disappointed. There's this disappointing feeling that you feel like they, they should still be playing. They should still be moving on. So a weird dichotomy there, a weird mixture there. But uh, Bob Condota and I break all that down and more, and let's uh, get right to it with Bob Condota. All right, here we are with Bob Condota, your Seahawks football beat writer, the lovable, the huggable Bobby Coe. Bob, how are you on this hey. uh, Wednesday? Yeah, good. Time out from the snow and all that and, and recovering from the weekend. And yeah, Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're here uh, as our kind of a 2019 season wrap-up. And uh, Bob, we'll break it down into, into kind of three sections here. We'll, we'll look back at at the playoff loss in, in Green Bay on uh, Sunday night, kind of uh, what happened there, uh, what went wrong, um, and maybe what to take away, kind of looking forward from that a little bit. And then we'll review the 2019 season as a whole, uh, sort of similar tone there, what what went right, what went wrong. And then uh, the last section, we'll, we'll kind of look ahead to 2020, uh, answer, try to answer some key questions, obviously, the Seahawks will be facing here in the offseason. Uh, as they uh, try to take that proverbial next step uh, in 2020. All right, let's uh, let's get right to uh, the loss in Green Bay on, on Sunday night, Bob. Uh, we were there. They uh, they beat the snow. It was it was plenty cold there. I think with wind chill, it was about around 15 degrees at kickoff there. But you know, certainly the conditions didn't seem to play uh, a huge factor. And, and as the game wore on, obviously the Seahawks got better, which. Uh, no surprise is kind of how the, the story of their season has gone, too, and, and particularly on offense, you know, down 21-3 at, at halftime, Bob. Uh, all of a sudden, Russell Wilson gets going. He starts running a little bit, and the magic just starts to happen. I mean, it felt like almost beat beat for beat, um, you know, exactly what happened, you know, in the San Francisco game just a couple weeks ago in Week 17, and it, it feels like a game we've seen play out before us so many times this season. Um what were your what were your big takeaways and, and kind of what happened Sunday night? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, we've seen that happen so often this year. And, you know, the defense don't let them off the hook either. I mean, Green Bay got the ball first and went right down and scored and made it 7 nothing, and sort of put, you know, before the, the Seahawks even had the ball, kind of put them up, a, up against it. So, you know, it was, wasn't just quite totally on the offense there. But uh, for sure, I you know, we, we kind of saw them fall behind so much all year and, um, you know, you, you sort of wish that, especially on the road in that setting, that was a game you, I think you really felt like they needed to, to come out and get the lead early. And, and with the way Green Bay, um, you know, they 13-3, and three, but I think there was a lot of angst in Green Bay about that game. And, uh, you know, that was certainly one where if they somehow could have gotten the lead, I think that could have been such a different, such a different game. And, and with the way you would have put Green Bay kind of, uh, you know, up against it a little bit early on and the feeling that there might have been in that stadium. And, you know, unfortunately it went the other way. I thought, you know, I've been spent a lot of time the last day kind of, kind of reviewing the game and all that. And to me, a really, a really sneaky part of that game that people aren't, maybe people haven't talked as much about is, is the Jason Myers missed field goal and that whole that whole part of the game right there in the drive. You know, it's fourteen to three. The Seahawks mount, mount a little bit of a drive. If they make it fourteen to six there, uh, at least and 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 you know, there's the, there's the sack on the drive and all that that sort of ma- pushes them back. But if you at least make the field goal, make it fourteen to six, and get and Green Bay takes over, you know, you pin them back at their twenty or something like that um, late in the half. I think it's maybe a lot different game than missing the field goal. Green Bay gets about the forty, goes down and scores pretty quick, uh, pretty easily, and it's twenty-one to three, and that really turned the game around there. I thought, um, you know, for and then these, they 
So what happened? Seahawks don't have to, yeah, Seahawks don't have to go for two later in the game then either. So yeah. that changes that whole complexion and the thought there in the fourth quarter too. So for if you're, if you're yeah. Yep, yep. yep. So yeah, no, I, I actually thought about that too. Yep. From that game for sure. Yep. 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 Well let's let's stick on the defense there because um you know, I think uh Trey Flowers is getting uh you know, was getting picked on throughout the game and, and has taken a lot of the uh the the backlash uh these last couple of days too on social media and from fans and uh, frankly, a lot of that's deserved, and and um, I I think I on the other hand give him credit too. I mean, in the locker room after the game, uh, you know, he owned up to it. I mean, what, what else are you going to say? But for a second year corner, a young guy who played safety in college, obviously the growing pains, um, you know, have been pretty immense. And and he, it's fair to say, or maybe just to put it politely, he had an up and down year. And certainly in these last few games, um, you know, the quarterbacks were coming after him, and and Green Bay, you could tell. It was pretty obvious early on their their game plan was to get Devontae Adams on Trey Flowers' side of the field, on Ugo Amadi, and find those matchups. And Aaron Rodgers, that doesn't take a, a Hall of Fame quarterback to figure out that, that that's an advantageous matchup for your team. And, and they found him time and again, and, and the Seahawks uh, really didn't have an answer for him. Uh, I thought it was interesting, Bob. One thing, we, we I didn't get in my story immediately after the game on deadline, and, and something that I know has been kind of a, a point of discussion throughout the years, going back to Richard Sherman when he was with the Seahawks too. But, you know, Shaquille Griffin talked about maybe the next step for him going into year four is does he shadow a, a, an elite receiver like that? Is that something that they would consider going forward? Uh, and, again, we'll kind of talk about the future uh, later in our conversation here. But I thought that was an interesting takeaway for me where Shaquille, on the one hand, was supporting his guy, Trey Flowers, and said, you know, if anyone knows what Trey's going through, I do. Obviously, Shaquille was really disappointed with his sophomore season last year. But at, at the other hand, Shaquille Griffin is confident enough in himself, and he feels like he's grown enough as an NFL number one NFL cornerback that maybe he should be taking on that responsibility for an opponent's, you know, top receiver. Again, there's a lot that goes into that. That's I know Pete Carroll's talking about that over the years. That it's not as simple as just matching up that guy because it, it does change uh, a lot of the assignments and the scheme of your defense too. But uh, there's a lot to talk about there when when, when we look at the, the Seahawks secondary going forward. But obviously in that game, to me, that was the biggest difference for for the Seahawks defense. No doubt, and and ideally you don't have you have a secondary where you don't have to do that, right? And that was sort of the that was what was so great about the Legion of Boom secondary was there wasn't an obvious guy to go attack like that, and everybody they could just leave everybody on the one side, and that's what they were hoping they were getting to this year with, with Shaquille and Trey Flowers was a secondary that would not present really a favorable matchup for the other team to try to attack, and um, you know that's when the Seahawks feel like they're at their best is you just line those guys up and and you don't have as an offense, you don't have a place to go. And that's what Pete Carroll has always wanted to have. And you're right. You know, there was, there, there's, but worse sometimes in Richard Sherman's career, particularly in the, in the years after Brandon Browner um, uh, moved on when, uh, you know, for a couple of years there. And, and I guess after Byron Maxwell, especially after the 14th season and 15 and 16 in particular, um, when there was sort of the talk all the time. So they'd move, move Richard Sherman around, have him shadow guys. And they did it occasionally here and there. Um, but it was not, it's not what Pete wants to do at all. And, you know, ideally you, again, you have it, you, you have four guys and then maybe a nickel corner as well that you all sort of trust and you're, and you think they're good enough to take on any matchup. And I think that's what they thought they had this year with, with Trey and Shaquille Griffin and be, just being able to leave them on their side. And, and we certainly saw, I think at the end of the year that, that that wasn't coming together quite the way they hoped. And it'll be interesting to me to see what they do with the secondary. I, I think they've got to have a better um, 
situation at nickel. Uh, you know, there was so much talk about base defense this year, and that was really that was really a function of the personnel they had. Um, you know, that they I don't think they had a nickel corner that they really felt was ready yet to to be out there um, that that often. Uh, you know, after deciding not to resign Justin Coleman, Jamar Taylor was a guy that you know they they cut they cut in the initial cut down and brought him back and then cut him again. And you know, Ugo Amadi, a guy they're grooming for that, but obviously didn't feel was that ready for it yet. You heard Pete say late in the late in the year that maybe they they should have gone to that earlier, but I think you saw in the Green Bay game why they didn't. Um, you know, yep. there certainly were some were some growing pains there for Ugo. So I I think that's going to be a real spot to watch in the offseason. It's funny seeing Pro Football Focus they had their first um, mock draft of the year and they had Seattle taking a corner and, and I think you can <laughs> I think you can I think drink can, drink um, Bob I, yeah. I think you can, <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think you can make that case that, you know, that's a spot where they uh, they need to add some competition for sure, kind of all around. So, um, you know, I think the, the I think the question of whether they're going to do that with Shaquille next year, I think might be answered in the offseason by what they do there, because I, I would be surprised if they don't make a significant addition at corner in the offseason. I have one one um, uh, issue, one uh, area of second guessing we've, we've seen a lot in the last couple of days. And maybe I feel like it's been overplayed a little bit, but certainly worth discussing it was the fourth and 11 decision there for Pete Carroll to punt the ball back to, to Green Bay with, what, 322 left. Uh, Russell Wilson takes a sack on third down. Uh, the Seahawks are at their own 36-yard line. And, again, it's fourth and 11. They'd send out the punt team. Um, you know, the, the, I think you can make a case either way, um, you know, whether they should have, you know, tried to go for it there and keep the ball in Russell Wilson's hands or punt it away and, and try to put your defense or, you know, put it on your defense to get the ball back for your offense. But, yeah, like I said, you can make a case either way, but I don't think it's a good case either either way, right? It's fourth and 11 for your own 36. Neither decision is a great decision. Neither uh, option is a great option. But, um, you know, no one, Pete Carroll, didn't surprise me at all that, that they punted there. And he even said afterwards, you know, if, if they didn't get to take the sack there, if it was more of a fourth and four, fourth and five, Obviously, they're going for it in that situation, you know, down five. But uh, I don't know. Did, did you have a huge issue with that, uh, you know, that, that decision in that moment? I didn't in the moment, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie now that it did, you know now that it didn't work out and sort of changed my mind. At the time, I, I sort of thought that was okay. Uh, you know, they, as, as Pete pointed out, they had all their timeouts. You yep, had the two yep. minute warning. Um, that that left you two times to try to stop them, basically. You know, yeah. Green Bay had to get two first downs, as they ended up doing, but Green Bay had, was going to have to get two first downs to run off the clock there. So you, ha- you had re- reason to think that uh, you, you could stop them there. Uh, if, you don't get, if you don't get it there, you're giving them the ball for 36, if it's the pass anyway, and all Green Bay has to do is run the ball a couple times and send out Mason Crosby for a field goal that then – makes you have to have a touchdown and a two-point play to even just tie the game and send it into overtime. So, um, you know, I thought that was sort of sort of the thing. You know, Green Bay was playing it a little more aggressively there on on that final series as well. I just – I didn't have a problem with it in, in the moment doing that. You, you can argue that, well, what, what what's your better option there? Russell Wilson getting somehow getting you 12, 11, 12 yards to get you the first down or putting a defense that had been, you know, that, that is a fair question for sure. But I, I think that also plays into, you know, Green Bay got the ball to 20. Um, so was Green Bay going to be aggressive? I, you know, when Green Bay threw that pass on second and eight incomplete, Seattle had only had to use one timeout at that time. There's 226 left. I, I remember thinking in that moment, this is playing out well for the Seahawks. Yep. Yeah, um, you know, third and eight. I thought that they're, you know, they they're going to have a pretty good chance here to get the ball well, back. Two, they had two with, third with, and long. What else do you want? For? Yeah, yeah, and then there two. was another one. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And then there was one more time they got that. But I just remember, I remember thinking initially, you know, they, yep. 
I'm just looking at the play-by-play here. To, to sure, sure. But I remember thinking at the time, yeah. you know, second and eight, and they throw it incomplete. There's 2.19 to go. Um, I was like, man, this is going to work out well for them. They're going to get the ball back at the 35 or so and, and, and have two minutes to go and all that. So, um, you know, Green Bay made a couple of great plays there. Uh, you know, even with the, even with the cover situations, those were really good throws and catches on those two. So, you know, um, I, I, I just like you say, I mean, it's, it's one way or the other, right? It says it didn't work out. You can question it. Um, but I, you know, I, either way, they were going to have to make some, some plays to keep it going. And I, I think it's, I, I do think it's a fair way for Pete to think about it that, um, you know, instead of putting it all on one play, you're putting it all on, okay, we make Green Bay have to make a couple of plays here. And if anything goes wrong for them, you know, heck, they, they commit a penalty, you know, kick it back them to the 20 and maybe they get a holding penalty on first down and suddenly they got the ball at their own 10 or something like that. And, you know, and then maybe they just go three and punt. Uh, you know, we saw that work out for the Seahawks against, uh, you know, I mean, we sort of saw the 49ers, right, in the game down there where the 49ers got the ball back with a couple minutes to go and, and gave it right back to the Seahawks quickly, and the Seahawks were able to go down and kick the winning field goal um, in, in the game down there. You know, I think some of that history goes through Pete's mind as well. It's like what's worked for them in these situations this year. It usually had sort of worked out for them as opposed to not. So I, I, I think it's I think it's defensible either way and, and I think because it doesn't work out, people are frustrated obviously, but I you know, I think that's that's one of those you kinda have to make your decision and live with it a little bit. Yep. All right, let's uh take a quick break here, Bob, and we'll hear from Pete Carroll and uh, Russell Wilson right after the game on Sunday night. One sec here. And you've seen this and I hope at home that uh, as it started happening, you could you can imagine it happening again because we surely did, and I hope that it conveyed to the people that follow us and the twelves the, the and the, the great following that we have. Uh, this is I think is the start of this team. I think this is uh, it feels like like 2012 all over again. And uh, y'all can I don't want to talk about that game. You you can go back and figure it out. But this was so similar and. Uh, I mean, there was not a guy in that sidelines in, in, that we were connected to that thought we weren't going to win that football game, and all the way till we didn't. And uh, that is what this thing has felt like the whole time, the whole year. And it's an amazing uh, chemistry, uh, and, and, and it's an amazing group, and the leadership, Bobby and KJ and, and Russ and, and Dwayne Brown, who did an unbelievable thing today to play in this football game. I don't know how he did it. He operated on three weeks ago. Um, it's just the kind of stuff that these guys are made of. And so I'm really proud to be part of it. And uh, and I know that they're proud of each other in part as well. We're still terribly disappointed because we should still be playing. I'm mean, aware an inch uh, a week ago, we're, you know, a couple weeks ago, and we're an inch on that one right there too, you know, one way or the other. And, and that's how close it is sometimes. And so uh, we have to make those inches become yards on our side and, and, and do better in a lot of ways. So uh, I know it's pretty – uh, philosophical we're talking here but um, if you got questions I'll answer them but I'm really uh, I'm moved by these guys and uh, they they lifted the whole spirit of what how things were looking like they were going to go just because they just willed it and so uh, I thought Russell was phenomenal tonight uh, he did you know he, he did everything he could have done and uh, and I just thought his his courage and his toughness showed up. His resolve to, to find ways was all over the field, running and passing. The throws that he made, the runs that he made, the escapes that he, he pulled off, um, and just the you know always going to win is is what he was doing. And, and uh, it was it was uh, awesome. It was awesome to watch him be a part of it. So I'm really proud of him and the rest of the guys that fought for this. 
five minutes left before getting the ball back, I thought the game's going to be over. I thought we were going to win it. Um, I think everybody in the stadium, I think everybody watching felt like that too. That's the good thing about us. It's never over. That's the thing that we bring to the table. It's never over. Um, you know, we had a couple of miscues here and there in that last drive and didn't go the way we wanted to. Um, we played a great football team out there. You know, a lot of great players. Um, you know, and we battled, we battled, we battled. I think about the first half, it didn't go the way we wanted to, obviously. Um, we got to play better there. But what we did in the second half, um, pretty special. All right, that was Pete, and that was Russ. Um, Bob, we've, we've heard Pete Carroll say it a couple times, and, I, you know, he even said it in, in June and in July, if, if I remember correctly, talking about, you know, sort of this young team and really ready to take that next step and comparing it, you know, to 2012 and, uh, you know, kind of the early era uh, of the Legion of Boom and obviously the, the formation, the foundation of a team that, that would go to back-to-back Super Bowls. And I remember being, you know, my ears kind of perked up when he said that, you know, before the season and, and they perked up again on Sunday night when when he made the comments about, about 2012. Um, you were around, you know, starting in, in 2013 covering this team full-time. But I don't know, do you, do you get that similar feel? And, and, and um, you know, obviously coming off a, a really tough playoff loss, it, it, it did feel a lot like you know the the loss to in Atlanta in the divisional round at the end of 2012, and you know Pete was very emotional. Um, unlike we you know we typically don't see him like this, but pretty emotional and, and at the same time pretty upbeat coming out of this one. Yeah, I you know people have been picking that uh, picking that statement apart, and they're right. I don't think the personnel is in the same situation at all as, as they have been. Um, you know you don't have the you know, at that time you had this Legion of Boom secondary, all guys in their second or third year that already looked like the best secondary in the NFL. You had a rookie quarterback and you had Marshawn Lynch in his prime. And, you know, you had some things like that that this team doesn't have in the same situation. But to me, what was more impact, I think the bigger takeaway for me is just Pete saying that. It, because to me that was, we're going for it. You know, we feel organizationally like that's where we are. Like we need to, we just need to, we just need to make a move or two to get to a point where we can compete for a Super Bowl again. And, and that's what I took away more from it is what they feel like where this team is, that they feel like it's that close. You know, I think they look around the NFC and, and think that there's nobody that's potentially that dominant. And, you know, maybe the 49ers roll with the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl here the next couple of weeks and look like, you know, this this potential dynasty and, and all that. But I think they look at, you know, the 49ers and think, hey, we played right with them. We played right with the Packers this year. If we just do a few things here or there, we can be right to that. And so to me, that's really the bigger takeaway. It's sort of what Pete and the organization feels about where they are, that they're going to go for it again next year. <laughs> So, Bob, when we look at the season as a whole, um, you know, it, it's a sort of the time of the year. It's become kind of a cliche, uh, I feel like, this week a little bit, too. But it, it was the season a success? Was it a failure? Um, to me, I felt like, um, you know, a, a lot of us were talking in, in training camp or trying to get a sense of the talent of this team and the potential of this team. You know, I feel like the general consensus was, you know, maybe this was a nine-win team, eight to ten wins range kind of felt about right for most people. You know, they maybe – sneak into the playoffs, but it didn't feel like they were going to be, you know, by any means a, a favorite or juggernaut in the, in the NFC this year. And getting to 10-2 and, and and doing what they did, getting to the divisional round uh, for the first time in, uh, in what, four years, uh, felt like um, it felt like this team maxed out on, on what it could be. It felt like it maxed out on, on its potential. And then when you take in all the other factors, you know, the injury, the strength of schedule, um, it felt like, again, they kind of made the most of the situation 
And yet, as we talked about after the game, we had a four-hour car ride to, to Chicago to catch an early morning flight there, Buff. It, it's a very strange uh, season when you can both feel like it was wildly successful and they maxed out on their potential, and yet there's uh, legitimate reasons for fans and for the Seahawks themselves to be really disappointed in how it ended, too. You don't, I don't think you can say that about most seasons. For sure, and that's you know that's sort of where what ha- you know you start out ten and two, and then there's that um, you know the, the the night in Carolina when they had what, beat <coughs> excuse me beaten Carolina, and then the Forty ers lose that game, and suddenly you've got the number one seed right in your graph. I think that's part of the problem here um, in terms of how people feel about it is that you know a month ago you felt like man maybe we got a couple of, we're back to just having a couple of home games to get to the Super Bowl, and that sort of fell apart. That's certainly kind of the disappointment, but I think if you go, like you said, go back to August and September, I don't think there's any way you can look at this season and not feel like in the big picture it's a, it's a success. And you are ending this season with, while there's the disappointment over that, you know, as we were just saying, the message coming out of that is we're going for it again next year. We think we're that close. And if we won 11 games this year, we make a few moves. We think we can be that kind of team next year. You know, with Russell Wilson, he's now 31 years old. Pete's now 68 years old. Um, this is a team that's been a year to year. I think we're going for it, you know, assessing at the end of the year if, this, if they can keep being competitive. And I think they feel like they can be. So I think everybody, I think Pete and, you know, I think Pete's fully bought in and Russell's fully bought in that, yeah, we can, you know, this isn't a rebuilding situation. We can be aggressive, make some moves this off season and, and be a team next year that has legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. And I think if you're a fan, at least you should feel good about that part of it, that, you know, that's where they are. This isn't, you know, this isn't a team that only won six or seven games this year, and it's like, man, okay, we're we got to start over, and we got to really do, we got to really do this or do that. Now that said, you know, there is some age here. Uh, you know, your two best, two, you know, all your best defensive players are sort of older guys that battled some injuries over the last year or two, and you know, the offensive line is sort of an older line as well, and and you could have some growing pains there, and you know. <laughs> the running back situation obviously is is a little uncertain going into the year, so they've got some things they've got to really sort out. But um, you know, uh, they did do enough this year to make you feel like they still can, uh, you know, they can make some moves that they can be that they can be right back there next year. And that's uh, you know, that's sort of that's I think a better place to be heading into your off season than where a lot of other NFL teams are. All right, take another quick break here, Bob. We get you some water, and then uh, we'll hear a little bit from Jadavian Clowney after the game. <laughs> On uh, on Sunday too, talking about uh, you know the game itself, and then obviously what what is shaping up to be a uh, really big off season for him uh, and the Seahawks as well. So here's Clowney. Yeah, I felt good. I felt like I was ready. You know, I prepared all week. I was ready. I was mentally ready, mentally focused. Somebody told me last week we went going all the way. I was told y'all line. Uh, great team, great organization. You know, great quarterback, Russ. I told him, I'm riding with you. As long as you can go, I'm going to go. What do you think you showed by not shutting it down and getting surgery? Some people I don't, might have I don't even know if I show anything. For people. <laughs> I just want to show it to my team. I don't care about what anybody else sees. These guys in the locker room know that I was dealing with. They knew I was going to get to Sunday and I was going let it, to let it all hang out. And that's what they asked for. They tell me every week, thank you for not quitting on us and not, not uh, giving up. I say, y'all, you ain't got to never worry about that with me. If, I ain't, if I can go, I'm going to go. And that's what it is. I was able to go the rest of the season fight for them. I was going to fight for them. How would you describe your experience? Oh, it's been great. It's been great. Great experience. I met a great group of guys. I just told them I appreciate everybody in this locker room, man. 
because I didn't know how it was going to go when I got to Seattle. You know, people look at you different. You didn't want to pick, think you high. I'm like, nah, that ain't even me. So I walked in, laughed and giggled. They've been accepting me ever since. Uh, I think it was a good experience for me. What are you looking for as you kind of get to this? I, ain't looking for, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to look for. Dude. I just want to win. I'm trying to get in that Super Bowl by any means. So that's what I'm looking for. Who's going to get me there? I ain't looking to go get on no sorry team for no money. And that's, that ain't going to fly. I ain't going to put my body through all of that just to lose, you know, 16 games and go home with my check. I hate that. So that ain't what I'm doing. So if I can't win no Super Bowl, I ain't going to no team that can't win. All right, Bob, that was Jadavian Clowney, and it kind of leads us nicely into the biggest question, I believe, for the Seahawks as we look ahead um, to 2020 and uh, what is going to be uh, a really interesting decision for them and for Jadavian Clowney. You know, where does he end up? Um, they can negotiate right now at the end of the regular season because Clowney was a franchise tag player. He can negotiate with his current team, so uh, he can already start those talks. Him and his agent, Buzz Cook, can start those talks with John Schneider and the Seahawks brass, and then come March 18th when the new league year starts, um, you know he's free to sign with anyone, and I have no doubt he's going to take it to the open market, find the best deal possible, and more likely than not, he's going to take the best deal on the table uh, if you're him. I suppose, why wouldn't you? But to me, the number one priority for this Seahawks team uh, obviously has to be improving that defense, and you can't improve that defense, in my estimation, if you don't bring Jadavian Clowney back. Um, Bob, I guess the big question is, you know, are they going to do that? What, what What's the price, and, and are do you see John Schneider doing that? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think this is going to go to, um, you know, Seahawks fans, that may not be what they – what they want to hear and, you know, Seahawks fans do, you maybe got, you know, Pete sort of talking about on Monday about uh, Jadavian, how much he liked it here and, and all that, but that's, that's what Pete's going to say. I mean, he's going to try to paint this as positive as possible and say that Jadavian wants to come back, but ultimately this is going to be a dollars and cents decision. And I think both sides are probably going to be content, I think, to let this go to the market, because I think if you're clowny, I think you want to see what you're going to get. And I think if you're the Seahawks, they've had some success with some guys hitting the market and then maybe the market not being quite what they thought it was going to be and getting the guys for a little bit less. And uh, then they were going to have to give. So I think that's probably what they're going to do here um, each side. And, and I think they'll, you know, they'll keep in close touch and, you know, they'll keep the negotiate, they'll keep the conversations being very, um, you know, cordial and all of that. So that when, you know, Clowney hits the market, the Seahawks can be right there ready to, to match or exceed any offer that he gets. But I, I'd be surprised, I guess, just given, given both the Seahawks history and what makes sense for Clowney, if that didn't happen here, um, it's harder for me to predict what will then happen. <laughs> Excuse me, but, you know, I, 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 I guess I'd put it about 60-40 that he's back, something like that. I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things where if all things are equal, I think he'll want to be back, and I think the Seahawks will be motivated to want to make a move to um, keep, you know, improve their defense next year. Makes sense to me. It feels, still feels to me maybe more 50-50. I, I, like you said, I just know in the Seahawks' history, uh, I just don't know that, that they're, they want to pay top dollar, and I don't know that they're willing to pay top dollar. And it just feels like there's uh, going to be a team out there, whether it's uh, – you know, looking at the numbers uh, over the cap.com, the Indianapolis Colts have, I believe, over $90 million in cap space. Um, you know, a team like the New York Giants with a new coach, a new direction, wanting to make a splash in free agency and bring in a big name. Or, you know, somebody like the Jets or maybe his hometown Carolina Panthers. Tampa Bay has a lot of money uh, to work with. I mean, there's there's teams with money to spend there. The cap is going up again. And I know Clowney wants to go to a winner, but 
this is the NFL and, uh, you know, parity is, is kind of the rule of the, of the league. And, and a lot of teams there can kind of convince themselves and, and convince a guy that, uh, with their money that, that they're going to be good and, and pretty quickly. So, uh, we'll see. Like, I, I absolutely believe him when he says he's enjoyed his time in Seattle and, and, uh, I really think he has a lot of respect and affinity for Russell Wilson. And we know how tight he is with Dwayne Brown, but, uh, Dwayne Bur- but Jadavian Clowney, this is his one chance at a, at a big payday in the NFL, and and um, you know I, I I just I just see him taking that that top dollar, and I just don't know with again considering Seahawks history if, if they're gonna they're gonna be the ones to offer top dollar. Um, Seahawks have uh, you know roughly fifty eight million dollars to work with. They could have a little bit more if they you know maybe re- rework Justin Britt's deal. You know they have some options kind of going forward there too, but. Um, that $58 million, what, it's, I think, seventh most to spend in the NFL. And uh, I think both of us agree that they'll probably prioritize that defense for 2020 and trying to bolster that with a lot of that money. Um, if beyond Jadavian Clowney, Bob, where, where are you, if you're the GM of this Seahawks team, where are you kind of prioritizing those those free agent dollars? Yeah, I would agree with that. My other priority would be an offensive skill player. They they need to they need to upgrade the receiving spot. Uh, they have two really good receivers, obviously, in Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf. But we saw them make a make an aggressive move at midpoint that I think was confirmation that they feel the same thing when they went and got Josh Gordon. Um, I think they need to do that. Um, you know, and the tight end spot uh, could be another. You know, the tight ends they've they've always been pretty aggressive about trying to do something there with Will Disley's injury situation. I think maybe they do something there too. So, um, you know, I, I think you could really see them make a move to, you know, maybe spend a lot of money to go try to get a to get a free agent to give them another receiver there. I mean, it was pretty amazing. You saw it in the playoff game. You know, Lockett and Metcalf each had big games, and no other receiver even caught a pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they need to uh, they, they need to upgrade that for sure. So, I, I would I would do that. But I think everywhere on defense could be a spot where they could spend money, other than maybe safety. You know, they might feel pretty good yeah. about. Golden and Diggs coming back, and then having having a couple of young guys, specifically Marquise Blair, as sort of grooming behind them. But you know, if we were talking about corner earlier. I think they could definitely upgrade that, um, at least upgrade the competition, and at least have a third guy that can be a that can be a more reliable nickel there than they had this year. I think for sure, pass rushers, and just even if you bring Brad Clowney, I think you need to uh, get somebody else there um, to, to upgrade that spot. And then, you know, even linebacker is a really interesting spot to me, um, you know, exactly what they think there. You've got Cody Barton, Cody Barton, who I think showed some real good real good signs, but are you ready to totally commit to him in, in that spot, which can be a really key spot in their defense. And then both Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright are getting a little bit older, so, you know, you could maybe, if you wanted to bring in, maybe not competition, but at least, you know, uh, backups there that that you're ready to go with, that you're not just dropping straight to having, you know, if, if one of those guys get hurt, that you're dropping straight to rookies who've never played or something like that. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, Pete Carroll did hint at changes on Monday in his sort of season wrap-up press conference there on defense. Do you anticipate um, any major changes on, on the coaching staff? Yeah, uh, that'll be interesting to see. I, I You know, I we've seen them make some changes every year, right? I mean, two years ago they made significant coaching changes. Last year they made what were pretty significant coaching changes to the uh, – um, strength and conditioning staffs and all of that, you know, even in, in, in previous years, you know, after 15 and 16, they made some changes to, you know, some pretty key guys who'd been around for a while. So I don't know if it has to be wholesale, like firing Ken Norton, which is probably what a lot of fans 
would would want to have, want to see or something like that. But you could just you know if nothing else, make some position coach changes or just shift around responsibilities a little bit. Um, you know the the defense. I I think everybody has always felt like it's sort of Pete's defense anyway. Right. right. Uh, so, so that in some some regard, it's you know it's him. He's always sort of calling the shots anyway. Um, but you know maybe he gets even more involved in it. I don't know. Um, you know I I do think they I do think it'll be interesting to see when they. You know, they typically, like most teams, I think they take a little while to uh, to kind of decompress after the season, and they'll come back and, and really evaluate everything, uh, you know, and, and kind of try to make as, as objective a sense from, you know, day one of the season through the, through the final game of the season of exactly how, they, how these guys did and what they need to do going forward, going into free agency and going into the draft and all that kind of stuff. And it'll be interesting to see what they conclude out of that. It's, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes in the, in the heat of the moment exactly what you feel, but you know, for sure, uh, you know, some of the numbers this year on defense were a little bit alarming. They just, they didn't consistently rush the passer. They gave up a lot of yards. They gave up a lot of rushing touchdowns, um, you know, and they forced turnovers sort of in one big chunk of the season, but they didn't do it consistently and they didn't do it down the stretch when they really needed to. So, um, you know, for sure, there's some things that they, they got to get better at. Uh, let's wrap it up with, uh, you know, some running back talk. Uh, I think there were some uh, potentially good news with Chris Carson. He talked on Monday and uh, uh, when the players were cleaning out their lockers and um, he made it sound, uh, my read on it was, you know, pretty optimistic. Uh, he doesn't need surgery on a, on his hip. Uh, sounds like he'll have to be on crutches for about another month or so, but he sounded like he expected to be ready for the start of training camp and, and uh, in what will be uh, unless he gets a deal done here in the off season, which I do think is possible, but he'd be going into the final year of his rookie deal um, where do things stand with, with Carson in, in that regard? And, and uh, lastly, Bob, I, I, you know, I played the uh, Marshawn Lynch down at the, at the top of the podcast here. Uh, what are the chances Marshawn Lynch uh, is suiting up again in the Seahawks uniform? Um, yeah, I, I'll answer the first part. I, I don't really see it. I don't. I don't really see Marshawn coming back. I think this was sort of a a, a one time, obviously, real desperation kind of thing when they needed to. Uh, you know, they needed a replacement, and especially coming in the last game, last regular season game, like, you know, this might work for a month or this might work for four or five games kind of thing. I just, I don't really logically see that. I see that he would, that they would want to do it. And, you know, who knows if, especially when he gets back and, you know, being another year older and all that, if, if it's something he would want to do. But, uh, you know, I never completely rule out anything because I never saw that coming in the first place. So. True, true. But I, I think logically, I, I don't know that we're going to see that. Um, the running back spot is really interesting to me, too. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Chris Carson's had a couple of significant injuries now, um, and that's a spot where, you know, you sort of only get, you, you know, for you know, unfortunately, uh, every year you sort of only take more hits and get another year older. So uh, with Rashad Penny, you know, Pete, even as optimistic as he is, basically said we don't know for sure when he's going to make it back. He, he had an ACL and, and some other stuff in that knee injury. So um, I think they're going to have to do something there, CJ. Prosize as a free agent. Obviously, they can't count on him anymore anyway. Even if they brought him back, I mean, you got to do more there. So, um, they for sure. I whether I it would be you know I'm gonna have to really look start looking at the free agent list of who's gonna be available. But it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to make a at least um, you know kind of a, a mid tier sort of move there to get somebody who's maybe consistent and reliable and durable and stuff like that, and then maybe address it in the draft as well um, to, to beef up that spot because. Uh, 
no matter what people think of their approach to the running game, I don't think that's going away. I think they're always going to want to be able to uh, to run the ball a lot in a lot of these games and have a couple of running backs that they know they can turn to. So, um, you know, I think they're going to uh, – last year they really were, you know, with the way the season ended, they had Carson and Penny and, and kind of were uh, content to let that ride. But this year I think they're going to have to uh, do a little bit more there to beef that up in the off season. Awesome stuff, Bob. Uh, fun season. My first year uh, out with the Seahawks, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun uh, working alongside you, the master, um, and uh, I, I appreciate uh, all the help and support. It's It's been a, been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to, to do the podcast, too, so it's a great way to, great way to wrap it up, and, um, you know, it, it doesn't really stop, does it? The, the NFL machine and the Seahawks, uh, it seems like there's always something, so I know you're heading out to the the combine, uh, which just feels like it's just right around the corner, and the, the draft, uh, you know, will be in full prep mode for that before we know it too. So uh, we'll obviously be catching up here soon. But uh, appreciate all your time, and and uh, thanks for all your uh, help and generosity out on the beat this year. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was <clears throat> nice having you out there, and and. Uh... For sure. It was another, I, I mean, if nothing else, I sort of tried to write this in my thing for Monday and maybe people didn't want to hear that in that moment. But, you know, if nothing else, it was a very entertaining season. And that it was. That it was. This is, ultimately, this is sort of entertainment. And, uh, you know, you couldn't, I mean, every Sunday you really had no idea what was going to happen. But, and, you know, they weren't boring. And, uh, you know, they sort of never have been with Pete. I don't think it'll be a boring off season. And you're right. I just made my reservations to go to the Combine on uh, February 25th. Uh, you know, when that starts next week, the Senior Bowl, John Snyder and crew will be down there scouting everybody. So, yeah, it never really ends at all. Good stuff, Bob. Thanks, man. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Adam. All right. That'll wrap it up for our season wrap-up podcast. My thanks, as usual, to Bob Condota. And uh, that'll be it for us for a while here in the podcast, as Bob said, heading off to the NFL Combine, NFL Draft prep and coverage down the road. So uh, we'll check in later. But uh, it's been a fun season. Like I said, my first season uh, covering Seahawks really full-time. Been fun checking in on the Huskies, of course, as well. My old beat there with Mike Varell. So it's been a fun season, fun experiment here, trying to do both in the read optional podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll let you guys know what the plans are going forward. But uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We've had a, a pretty dedicated uh, following here, and, and uh, it's always uh, fun to, to hear from you guys and get the star ratings and the reviews. Um, you know, to kind of keep this thing going a little bit. It's it's a little mom and pop, uh, uh, low budget operation certainly. But um, appreciate your patience through all that, and I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in as always. So uh, we'll check in down the road. But until then, take care of y'all's mental, take care of y'all's uh, body, and take care of y'all's chicken. So we'll check in down the road. Take care, everyone.